0: I remember putting my phone in the hall, Joe, to charge. And the first night I did it, and it was actually like I was leaving a part of my body there. And I was almost close to going. Now good night. I'll be back in the morning. You'll be okay out here. Don't worry.
1: Welcome back to the Anonymous There podcast. I'm your host Joe Chura, and we are on week 15. We've done 15 shows so far. We've had some amazing guests. I've learned a ton. Hopefully you have as well. And today's show will be no exception. We have Alison Canavan on. Allison is a supermodel from Ireland who came over to the States a few years ago, graduated from UCLA, and is a mindfulness expert. What does that mean? You're going to have to tune in to find out, but you're going to want to tune in because we talk about the power of streaks, how to start new goals, how to find a good mentor, a lot of people talk about finding teachers or having mentors, but I get into the brass text. how do you actually find one? Which makes a lot of sense to me after she breaks it down. And then we get into some metaphors that are near and dear to my heart, one of which is the garden. And if you know me, uh, as I was building my businesses, we, uh, I often use this garden analogy. And we dive into that. And then last but not least, at the very end, I talk about this reaction that I had, which actually I surprised myself from this reaction that happened. And it taught me a ton about how to dismantle a a negative and rough conversation. And I'm super excited for you to to hear that and to provide your feedback, because I just thought it was really interesting how everything went down. I'm looking forward to your comments as usual, leave a review, but... For now, put on some shoes, go for a walk or a run, or just sit back and enjoy this episode with Allison Canavan. All right, welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. I have guest Allison Canavan on. Hey, Allison, how are you today?
0: I'm very well, Joe. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Where are Hello. you today?
0: I'm in New Hampshire.
1: Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. So I uh, I know you're from Ireland.
0: I am. Yeah.
1: Do you uh, have you been there recently? Not since oh, the gosh, pandemic? No,
0: no, no, no. no. So <laughs> there's Ireland are, uh, Ireland are one of the unfortunate countries that have seemed to have suffered the worst of this. And they're still in lockdown. Level five. So um, it's been quite a rough ride. I feel like I got out just in time. We moved to the States. We moved to California just in December 2019, um, not knowing what was just around the corner, actually, which is kind of fascinating now and uh, deeply, deeply grateful to be here in the States. Actually, at this time, I have to say, really grateful. So uh, it was it was it was a A rough ride for me, I think for everybody in 2020, I don't, I don't think there's anybody that, you know, didn't have a difficult, difficult element of 2020, you know. And when I came, I came over to do what I did for you guys. Like, that's how I met you. You know, I came over to do loads of talks and, uh, you know, I was booked for the year and we got my visa and it was all very exciting. And myself and my 10 year old packed up and went to Los Angeles with our dream. And then March happened. And of course, my work is in-person work, you know, and they weren't turning around that, that quickly. And my entire calendar got wiped for the whole year. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I just left Ireland with my 10-year-old. We kind of threw it all in there, jumped off the cliff, as you say, and this has happened. And it was a real moment of just... What are you going to do now? You know How are you going to cope with this? And I'm so grateful that I have been in this industry for nearly a decade, that I had tools that I was able to use to go, you're exactly where you're meant to be. You have tools to be able to turn this around, lean into what you can do in this moment with what you have. But it was certainly, 2020 was a fascinating year for me personally, you know, in, in turning things around, you know, I thought I had come through <laughs> the worst of what yeah. I was going to get through in my life. And it was like, here's another big hurdle to to climb, as I'm sure many people can can attest to.
1: I love the what you can do. And I want to go back for mm. a minute here. You were a model for a couple decades, you are now really have dedicated your life to mindfulness, health and wellness. But at one point in your life, you were not there. What what happened in your life to get you to the point where you said, I know that this needs to be important and needs to be a priority? Was there a defining moment for you when that occurred? Um, And what did you do?
0: I think definitely the birth of my son. I think any mother will say, you know, you know, having a child and then I'm also a single mom. And it was like I was all he had. You know, I certainly had family around me in Ireland, but I was like, OK, I've got to do what, what I can to get well for him. But, you know, I started modeling at 15. You know, I got put into an industry where, <laughs> let's face it, it's all about what you look like. It's very little about what's inside or how you're feeling or are you happy or not happy, you know, so. I was kind of thrust into this industry where early on in the industry, there was certainly excitement and adventure and a lot of travel. Like I represented Ireland in the supermodel of the world competition in Vegas when I was 16. That was the Ford supermodel. I went straight to Paris after that. I started doing all these huge, big fashion shows. And, you know, every time I went home, people were like, oh, my God, we're so proud of you. One of the first Irish models, you know, to ever be that big on the international scene. And inside, there was a part of me that was crumbling because the reality of it was I was in a model apartment with loads of other girls, given a map of Paris, told to go around and do 10 castings a day. And like, I was a 16-year-old girl. I was freaking terrified, you know? (laughs) I was like walking around this city, feeling a little bit lost. And my early teens were kind of melancholy anyway, where I had always felt a little bit lost. So I had gone from feeling a little bit lost To now being put in an industry where I just I just felt like I never fit in, even when I got on great with people and I was always got on great with all the people I was working with. I was like, I just didn't feel at home in what I was doing. But I didn't want to say anything because, of course, when you say something, people are like, God, you're so lucky. You know, I wish I was doing what you're doing. And, you know, inside, I was like, if I open my mouth, I sound deeply ungrateful. So what I did was I just kind of internalized my pain and didn't say anything and continued on and continued working. And I had been suffering with depression, anxiety and had been put on medication for that. And of course, nobody ever asking what's going on in your life. (laughs) What could be causing this? And how are you living? You know, all of those things that I know now. And it's, it's like, as anybody knows in this cycle, you know, I ended up finding alcohol quite young. That was incredible. You know, it was this, oh my God, I'm not in pain right now. I'm, I'm great. I feel amazing. I loved partying. I was around fabulous everything. people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, so I was on medication, I was trying drugs, I was drinking, and it just, what was what was fun in the beginning, because it was fun in the beginning, it's all fun and games, and you're a teenager, you know, even entering your 20s, and what started off being fun, ended up being a nightmare, as anybody knows. And, you know, my, the addictions really kicked in, where it was like, My addictions actually defined me, which is really weird. Like Party Alley was an identity. Like everyone wanted me at their party. Like when I lived in New York, they were like, oh, bring Alison. Alison's such great fun. She never wants to go home. Um, (laughs) And she's always the life and soul of the party. And I was, I loved partying and I, you know, I had a great time, but I knew inside of me that there was a problem because I would say to myself, okay, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to have a glass of wine and a glass of water and a glass of wine and a glass of water. And I would be in this kind of controlling mechanism and I'd have a glass of wine and a glass of water. And then there would be a period in the night where it would just, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't know. So I was always trying to find that line, you know, I'm not going to cross that line tonight. I'm going to come home at such and such a time. And I I never seemed to be able to find that line that I crossed, you know, I never seemed to be able to, to catch myself there. And I, I knew for many, many years in New York that I was drinking too heavy. I went to AA for probably nearly a decade that I was there on and off, you know, never managed to fully get sober, but also really looking back at it now, did I really have the intention of getting sober? Probably not probably doing it for other people. and. Um, and then the whole idea—this sounds so ludicrous to me now. By the way, with how I live, the whole idea of not drinking forever just seemed insane. And like, part, like I, when I think about my mindset then, it was like, oh my god, like, sure, what's the point? I'd never be able to enjoy a wedding, a christening. I'm Irish. Like, drink is associated yeah. with births, deaths, and it's the first thing you times. think about, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, Ireland, it's,
1: going to the pubs,
0: yeah. It's associated with absolutely everything. And let me tell you, I got sober in Ireland, Joe. <laughs> it's like you're a freak. And, um, you know, And I, I, I can tell you getting sober in Ireland was probably the greatest life lesson for me because it really required me to dig deep, to dig deep and go in and do that really, really hard shadow work and face the aspects of myself I didn't want to face because, You know, whatever way you want to make it up, you're not in a supportive environment. You know, people are very wary of people in Ireland who don't drink. And then if I was, because I was under the illusion, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll just go to the pub and sit with everyone and not drink. But sure, you're the topic of conversation the whole night. How do you feel? Like, how do you feel? Do you feel really awkward because we're drinking and you're not? Or, you know, are we getting really drunk now? Does this seem really weird to you? Do you remember when I was like, oh, no, this is this is not fun. So um So my my catalyst was definitely my son. He was such a beautiful catalyst and teacher and still is to this day. Children are our greatest teachers. You know, Uh, I remember I suffered postpartum depression and I wrote a book, Minding Mom, with with all of this in it. It's a self-care book for new moms. And I remember going to the doctor and she gave me the option of three different types of medication. There you go. And the only reason I asked a question, which I think this is very interesting, I never asked a question about medication in the years before, probably because I didn't care enough about myself. Yeah, you know, self-worth just was not there. And I said to her, oh, I'm breastfeeding. Can this medication go through to my child? So it was really because of him. And she told me to go home and Google the different medications. And whenever one I felt was least harmful, she would prescribe for me. At that moment, there was something shifting in me, something huge shifting in me that was like this feels off this feels off i never questioned it for 20 years because i didn't really care enough that's genuinely why i didn't um i mean it was offering me temporary pain relief that was all i was searching for at the time going much deeper than that yeah no you know that there was so much pain there that going deeper than that wasn't really what i wanted to do during those years you know it was just easier to escape and i just remember over time this voracious appetite from within of wanting to really understand this, just kind of, I don't know where it came from. And I think it was, I don't want to be on medication. The medication was making me feel kind of not present. I remember somebody would call my name and uh, they would say to me, do you know it took you like 10 seconds to answer? So they'd say, Alison and I go, yeah. And I knew I could feel within me the medication was was, you know, making me my reaction slow. And I was like, this is also dangerous. <laughs> you know, this is also not a good thing. I'm a mom of a baby and everybody has their own personal journey and their own personal opinions. And I base mine solely on my experience. And when I presented back to the doctor, she was like, oh, no, we have a plan for you. We're going to and up and up the dosage and then we're going to down and down and down. I was like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So I actually had to go to another doctor who said I'll help we knew off like that's one of the important things is to not cold turkey just come off medication and i just started researching about food and coming off sugar and gratitude i i met this amazing woman from a charity in ireland postnatal depression and she told me to write down all the tiny little things i was doing every day and i did and i started writing down i had a shower I went for a walk and just started really focusing, you know, on what I was doing and not on what I wasn't doing. And bit by bit by bit, I just became so interested in the connection with the mind and the body and your digestive system and what causes mental health and what sparks mental health in people. And. I went back to college for a few years and studied nutrition and then I studied coaching and then I became a raw foods master and then I got a scholarship to UCLA to study mindfulness. And so for the last decade, it has just evolved. It was like a seed was sp- it was planted and it, it evolved into something much bigger. And really, oh God, what my interest is in is in the, the whole person is treating people holistically like, for my entire life, people were treating different aspects of me separately. Like I was going to different doctors for different things and no one ever communicated with each other. And I never thought that was weird. We don't. That's how we're indoctrinated. But it is weird. It's weird when the person who's prescribing you medication is not speaking to your therapist. It is weird, you know, when that line of communication is not there. But I never even gave that a second taught, I suppose, throughout all of those years. And, you know, I had always been, though, Joe, a spiritual soul seeker, like I started meditating when I was in my late teens where there, there was no meditation. It didn't exist. You know, there was a Buddhist center in London I used to go to. When I got to New York, my friend, uh, he was an Irish guy. He used to live across the hall from me and he had loads of Buddhist books. And I was like, oh, he's to got to the Buddha place in London. And he said, oh, you have to come down to the Kadampa Center with me once a week. And I remember the first time I was sitting in the room. uh, The teacher is called Kadam He's he's an amazing teacher. And I remember sitting in the room and it was so silent, you know, and I had done some meditation on my own, but I was closing my eyes and I felt like I could my breathing was the loudest in the room. I could hear parts of my body, like my stomach, and I was just like mystified by how these people were all sitting there with their eyes closed, which is probably no more than 20 minutes, you know, felt like two years to me. So there was also an aspect of me always interested in kind of the more spiritual side of life. Like, why are we here? Who are we? What's our purpose? You know, where are we all going? You know, is there a reason for this? Do we just get born and die or is there something we're supposed to be doing in between? So yeah, it's 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 been quite a ride.
1: I want to get into that the how on a, a few things, but I just want to clarify a point. When you got pregnant with your son, mm-hmm. is that when you just stopped drinking and you? you um, and it's or? really
0: interesting. I probably was the healthiest I'd ever been just before I got pregnant. So I was living in San Francisco and I was meditating every day and doing yoga every day, and the partying had diminished really quite a bit. I probably firmly believe that's why I got pregnant. Why was the,
1: why did the parting diminished? Is it is it because Just, you took yourself out of New York into a different area? Yeah,
0: we well, it was still both. I was living in New York and I was living in. I was going between both, and um, I think there was a part of me for many years before I had my son that knew that like I wasn't enjoying the party lifestyle anymore. Like it was. It was getting exhausting. It's exhausting physically. It's exhausting mentally. Like when you wake up the next day after being out, it's not fun. It's not fun, you know, and it's not fun for about five days after that. So for some reason, we have a a very short memory where when (laughs) we're out partying, we just remember the good times, you know, and we don't remember the whole week afterwards where we're struggling. And on Wednesday, like it's like when my clients now say to me, God, I still feel very depressed and anxious on a Wednesday or Thursday. I'm like, you know, you were out at the weekend drinking. There is a connection. There's a connection between how you're feeling day to day. There so is, yeah. Yeah. There
1: so is, and your, I've I've experimented with this, and you your productivity levels go down. Not necessarily the day that you're drinking, or whatever you're doing. It's the it's the following days. You it takes you so. I think it's at least in my mind, it's like 3x of whatever you did. That's how long it takes to recover. Yeah. So you have to really think about that. Is what I'm going to be doing worth it? Or can I, can I afford to throw away a day? And if there's something that you need to do that yeah. next day, I would really re- reconsider it. And the problem is, as a, as a parent, that usually means neglecting whatever you're supposed to do with your kids. Yeah. So there's this other guilt that hits you. So now all of a sudden you're depressed from all yes. angles because you're like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not being the parent I I could be. So I've, I've definitely seen that. And, uh, and that makes me really think about the words remember tomorrow yes. before you do something today.
0: That's, that's awesome. By the way, you should like put that up somewhere. Remember to <laughs> honestly, because I was had a client the other day who's struggling with this and I have many clients I work with many people in addiction I have done for many years in mental health and it's interesting that the mind only thinks about the good times you know yeah, it's like just one the, the the most frequently um, the most frequent thing I hear and it's it's something probably I really hear because it's something I used to say myself I just want to blow off steam I just want to blow off steam it's just a blowout you know, or I'm entitled to. I work really hard. I have X amount of kids. I do this, so I'm entitled to this. It's interesting. It's like what people do with diets. I eat really well for six days, and then I have a cheat day. And it's like, so we we as human beings, we can justify pretty much anything to ourselves. We can, do right. you know? Yeah. We really can. We can justify. The mind is a wonderful ally or enemy, and we can justify anything. And let me tell you, I was the queen. Of justifying stuff to myself, but I remember I was pregnant, no problems. Like I used to smoke before I had James and everything, and I just very quickly came off drinking cigarettes. I don't know. I I loved being pregnant. I absolutely loved being pregnant. And then I breastfed him for you know nearly a year and a half, and you know thought this is awesome. I've got this down. But the first night I went out for someone's birthday. And um, I remember I got in, at, I don't know, 4 a.m. and wasn't well. And inside me, that little voice said, you don't have control over your drinking. You might not drink for years or months, but you don't have. And that little voice stayed there. And then, you know, I wouldn't go out often, but I would always go out and James, you know, I say my mom had him overnight and I could never, I could never again. It was the same, the same um, Pattern that was reemerging. I just I just that. when is that last one? You know, Ali never wanted the party to end. And then I had to dig deeper. And I have a wonderful teacher, Gabor Mate, um, who wrote the book in the realm of Hungry Ghosts, he's an incredible teacher. He teaches Compassionate Inquiry. He's been working with addicts for ever. And I remember watching before I did any of his trainings, I watched a video on YouTube of his. And it talked about addicts self-soothing a part of themselves in pain. And it was interesting that my body responded to his video and tears flowed. Tears flowed where I was like, actually, like, you know, when you're crying so much, you're almost like rocking back and forth. I had never heard it that way until I saw his video. I had never, no matter what specialist or expert I had ever been in, I had never heard anybody talk about addiction in a compassionate way. I had only ever heard people talk about addiction as in pointing fingers. You did this, you're this, in a shame, blame, guilt way. You know, shame, blame, guilt, shame, blame, guilt. And when people are in a shame, blame, guilt cycle, it's very difficult to to get the motivation, you know, the self-worth to to make changes, you know? So it was interesting because I've always been interested in shamanism and doing my inner work, but I was like, there is an aspect of me that is so, so much in pain and i need this amount of pain relief so then i got really scared because i was like oh no <laughs> if i need this amount of pain relief which is quite a lot how much pain is there and as anybody knows who starts to do the work it's it's the fear of when i go in to really look at this and to deep dive into this will i be able to cope with what's there with what comes up and I, again i've been blessed my entire life to to have had amazing teachers. I had a teacher for 10 years who brought the Dalai Lama to the West, Sagi on He wrote the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And he said to me, I spent many, many retreats with him. And he said to me, I, I can see the resistance, the resistance to just allowing yourself to open and expand. And I said, yeah, well, I'm scared. You know, it's like every time I, I give myself an inch, I just get really upset. And he said to me, nothing will ever come up for you that you're not able for. And at the time, I was a bit like, what's he talking about? I didn't fully understand that. But now I do because it's the work I do. It's like it's like we're in very intelligent beings, you know, as human beings, we really are. We're very intelligent. And as we're doing this healing work, which I feel is the only way to truly get to know thyself is to go in and do that healing work for every single human being. And it comes off in layers. It's like forgiveness. We forgive at one level, And we think we've done the work and then it comes up and it's at another level. And we're having this experience with ourselves, I think, until the day we leave this planet. You know, the work is never done. There's not an end goal. It's not like I'm getting somewhere. But it's it's you're getting a little bit better and better all the time. You know, I can't even imagine drinking now. Like when I gave up drinking. It was like a switch went off, and I always remember somebody saying to me something shifted in you energetically like when something when that switch goes off, it was like I'm not taking any pain relief anymore. I'm doing the work. I'm gonna face my own shit if <laughs> you I'm gonna face it and I'm gonna walk right into my pain and I'm gonna walk right through it and it was really, really hard at times, but Like the benefits and the rewards and the sense of peace and the sense of freedom, is so worth it. Like it is the best thing I've ever done.
1: And it gets easier over time. Like yeah, when I would abstain from from alcohol, and I, I haven't eliminated drinking a hundred percent in my life, but I've reduced it by probably ninety five percent. Yeah, and what I found is that this. the first week is the first few days are hard, and the yeah. first weeks hard. Then the first two weeks are get a little bit easier. But after like six or seven weeks, you you start to for you start to forget the the good feeling of it, and you start to remember the bad a bit, and then you you just don't want it anymore. And I think okay. the power of streaks is so important in life, whether you're working out or you are eating right, or you're, you're counting calories. I think all of those are important. And once you build up, you know, four or five days, it's so much easier to build on that momentum than it is to start from nothing. And I, I think it's akin to starting a car when it's cold, right? It's mm-hmm. always harder. But once it's going, you know, then all of a sudden the heat's on and it's more comfortable versus if you need to start that car cold every week, you're thinking about, this is going to be painful and I'm going to be freezing for the first five minutes. And, you know, all of these things, I know, you know, the technology in cars is different today, but back in the day, you know, that was the case. Like you were parked outside and it would, it would take a while. And I always, I always think about that. Um, One thing you mentioned that I don't want to overlook you, you did have a unique opportunity from modeling. You got to meet a lot of people Mm -hmm. and, and you, you got to kind of find teachers that, guests or, or folks listening to this podcast may not have the opportunity to go meet teachers. So when you say, I have had these teachers, for mm-hmm. me, there's, there's a gap be- because I'm looking at that or listening and thinking, well, how do I find a teacher mm-hmm. or a mentor? How would you do that today? One kind of, because we're not out as much because of COVID, but just in general yeah. with the internet. And there's also this side of the the web Mm -hmm. where there's just a lot of posers and you don't know who's real or not. So how would you go about that today?
0: Well, it's interesting. Um, none of my mentors came from the fashion industry, (laughs) (laughs) so that's not right. It's it's interesting. My mentors came from me going offside, if you like. And, you know, I lived in New York. I went to a local Buddha center, you know, just as a regular girl, nothing to do with my industry. And I never ever uttered a word in my industry at the time about what, that. It was like my secret spiritual life, you know, because at that time, Joe, people thought you were insane. Like if I mentioned <laughs> that I was going on retreats and I was meditating, like it was literally like I remember mentioning it to friends because I was so excited. Actually, I had been up to a retreat in upstate New York. And um, we have been meditating for three days. And of course, when you get excited about stuff, you want to tell everybody. And I remember going to brunch on a Sunday in New York and telling everybody. And I remember looking around the tape and they were all like. Like, what? Like, just not we're just not on the same vibration. I mean, I had the blessings of the fashion industry were, were that I got to see an awful lot um, of what goes on in the world behind the scenes that a lot of people wouldn't. So the whole thing of the grass is greener, that was a gift because the grass is not greener. So that was a massive, massive, massive gift for me. So I talk to a lot of people and a lot of young girls who see all these influencers in social media or they see people in Hollywood and they're like, oh, my God, if only I had if only I could be if only I could look like them, if only I could have those opportunities, my life would be so much better and I would be so much happier and, you know, um. It's kind of a lure into this industry where it's like, these people have everything. You have nothing. And it's just not true. It's really not true. And what I've learned along my journey is I'm really grateful that I know that because I lived it and I saw it and throughout the course in my industry, I mean, there's probably a handful of people I met who were genuinely happy. I mean, that's huge. What made those
1: people genuinely happy?
0: Um, I think they knew themselves. I think they were happy in themselves. You know, there was the odd person you met in my career who had self-worth, <laughs> the odd person who had yeah. self-worth, um, but those people, they do shine because when someone knows who they are, they're not looking for approval from others. They're not constantly comparing themselves. They're not because they're all the things that kill us. They, ki- they kill our spirit. You know, and that's that's the darker side of social media, like when we're on and we're comparing ourselves and there's all these filters nowadays, you know. But I do think there's also when you're talking about people connecting, there's a beautiful side of social media and the Internet as well, where we do have access now to some of these amazing teachers. Like I always say to people, what makes your heart sing? What makes you come alive and go and seek out more of that? So for me, I was always attracted to Buddhism because my mind was my torture chamber. Like my mind was kind of the place where I experienced hell and Buddhism teaches us to understand the mind. That's what all the training in Buddhism is. It's understanding the mind. And so I was very drawn to those teachings. So wherever I went in the world, I seeked out a local Buddhist place, a place where they taught those teachings because it was the teachings that my soul was hungry for. My soul was hungry for these teachings, these teachings of what are we here to do? And and that hunger from me about the mind is never ending. I mean, I have a mentor, Mary Morrissey now, who's extraordinary. And um, we were working with Bob Proctor last week. We're working with another guy tonight, Price Pritchett who really discusses kind of taking quantum leaps. And again, everything comes back to your mind. I'm still fascinated with the mind because my mind is something that continually and consistently needs to be tamed. And when you were saying earlier, you you get in and you start the car and, you know, you have to wait for it to heat up. The one thing I've learned on my journey is that consistency is key. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Where we fall down is like if I had wanted to give up alcohol but continue to stay in the same life and lifestyle, it would never have happened. Like when you have a desire in you to feel better and want more for yourself and manifest a better life for yourself, well, then you can't keep living the life that you're living today. Because if you were happy and you were getting the results, that you wanted from the life you're living, well, then you wouldn't have an inbuilt desire to change, you know, to want to feel better, to want more. So that was a big thing for me. I kept kind of flip-flopping throughout my career as a model, going to the gym for six weeks and feeling great and not really drinking and then going back and then getting lured into this safety zone. I feel great. My body is in good shape. And then I can go back and dip my toe in my old life Yep. thinking that if I did that, I could just flip back in, and from trying that, I've quickly learned this doesn't work,
1: Alison. Because you, you were know, thinking <laughs> you were thinking you 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 deserved it. Like I was good I for deserved six weeks. It. I was good. I. But can also, do this. more
0: sinister was I'm in control. That's yeah. the sinister lie that's creeping up. You are fully in control now. You can absolutely go back and do that, and all will be well. And the fact of the matter is, you know, it's. The thoughts we have create the emotions we have, which create the results that we experience in our life. Right. And then obviously the actions that we're taking based on them. So I very quickly realized that it's doing small things every day, like how I wake up in the morning. I wake up and the first thing I say is thank you three times. I place my hand in my heart this morning. I woke up. I had had crazy ass dreams like the last two weeks. My dreams are insane. I don't know what's happening. And I just had these crazy dreams. So I kind of woke up with my body a little bit anxiety ridden, you know, it wasn't like comfortable. I kind of woke up and went, oh, my God, that was a bit bizarre. And immediately I just put my hands on my heart. Like over the years, it's like it's a self-soothing thing. So before it was alcohol. Now it's actually just placing my hands on my heart. And I just connect with my breath and I take deep breaths and I give myself as long as it takes to feel my body, mind settle and my heart open and I start every day by activating my heart center. I know enough about struggling and about struggling with mental health. And I know enough about the push mentality. I'll just push my way through this. I'll just push. I'll just push that I do not you know, take the life I have today for granted. So every day when I wake up and take my first breath, it's a sacred gift. I don't take that for granted. I spent a large amount of my time during those years not wanting to be here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, now I just realize life is such a blessed gift. And every morning, like when I started meditating, and this is important for people to hear, it was like a chore, you know, when your mom used to make you do housework and you were like, oh, and you hated her the whole way through through, through doing the chore. When I first, you know, kind of said to myself, I'm going to meditate every single day. And I'd give myself a 30 day or a 60 day kind of milestone. And I remember every day sitting down to meditate was like a pain in the ass. You know, it was like and it was like when it was done, it was like, oh, thank God it's done. But it's like anything over time, like when I sit in meditation now, it's just this great feeling of space and serenity, even if the meditation is difficult. You know, I really value and understand now giving myself time. I didn't understand that before. You know, I didn't, I thought like I was such a busy person and a people person and out and about and meeting people all the time. It's probably why my mental health has suffered so much. But now I know that giving to myself every day is the best gift I can give to my son. Like I watched James pick up things from how I live and how I work and how I show up every day that literally floor me like he watched some of Bob Proctor's um, video the other night he just happened to be in the room and he was kind of listening and I said you can watch it if you want you know and when I was putting him to bed and you know we were going through because we always go through what's the most amazing things that happened today tell me three things you're grateful for you know and I said to I said to him tell me what you picked up from Bob's video he's 10 I expected him to say very something very simple you know (laughs) and he described what Bob was saying in such an amazing way that my jaw was on the ground and I'm thinking oh my god I've spent 42 years (laughs) trying to learn what my 10 year old just succinctly put into a few sentences and he was like Mom, the subconscious mind is running the show. You might think the conscious mind is, but you got to be careful that the subconscious mind is not sneaking in with those oh behavior patterns. And my jaw, he was like, why is your face so sharp? And so I'm like, because literally I've been studying this forever, sweetheart. And I could never have said it the way you just said it there. But what that I was, I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was thinking, what a beautiful gift to give kids to understand their power, to plant that seed in a young fertile mind that they understand how truly powerful and magical they are to co-create their life. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter how well you're doing in school. None of that matters. It's understanding that that power is within each and every one of us as human beings. And that's what I'm still mesmerized with every day. Think and Grow Rich is something I study every day. All of those books where it teaches us the power of the mind and I know that my mind is a garden that needs to be weeded consistently and constantly. Like weeds grow in my garden so quickly, you know, and sometimes I don't even notice how quickly they're growing. So it's like I have to just keep going in and pulling the weeds out and tending to my I garden. I use that
1: analogy for really everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I talk about business. Uh, yeah. You know, when you when you initially start a business this is the metaphor I use all the time in, in our team meetings. And I, I don't know, it just hit me a few years back. And I was thinking about, I was looking at this plant and you know, that's you start a business, it's a little plant, right? And there's a little flower in there and you can maintain that. But then as the business grows then you got to put that in the bigger garden. And then all of a sudden over time, the garden gets bigger and weeds start to pop up and you, and those are maybe Processes that need to be improved, or yeah, or human capital issues, or debt, or you know whatever it is, like like things in business always come up. And the larger the garden gets, then you have to start hiring people to help mm-hmm. you maintain it. So, and then weeds will still pop up on unbeknownst Beautiful. to to you. So it's like that's that's funny you said that because mm-hmm. that's but definitely. It's
0: having- it's interesting as you're saying that. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful because I can really visualize it. I can visualize like as our, my garden is expanding with my brother now, you know, in our business, we need people to help us keep on top of the weeds. Yeah. So as you said that, I was like, that's exactly what I'm experiencing in so many areas of my life right now. But what's what's so beautiful about that analogy is that the most. So how do we know there's weeds in the garden awareness? And people always say to me, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to change my life you know, notice what you're noticing. Awareness is, is the first step on the path to change. It's the greatest agent for change. And if you're not truly aware, which takes practice of what's going on around you, It's very easy to kind of keep the blinkers on and keep looking forward. And you have not turned left or right and looked into your garden. And by the time you do, it's so overrun with weeds. It's like, how am I ever going to get them out now? You know, I don't even know where to start, you know, and it's it's overrun and it's killed all the other plants and taken all the good plants out. So it's a brilliant analogy because awareness is a practice that's consistent and constant. And it's a pain in the ass in the beginning, you know, because when people start becoming aware... Of how they're living, there's shit they don't want to see. Excuse my cursing, but like they're like they always come back to me and go, "Oh my gosh, Allison, there's stuff I just don't want to see." And I'm like, "And that's where the growth is."
1: Yeah. And you have to get to the root of the issue, yes. right? Because if yes. you use
0: the pun. if you uh,
1: <laughs> if you get to the top of the weed, what happens? It grows back. Yeah, you're not really solving the problem. So yeah, it's, you know, it's it's an amazing analogy because you could just keep going with that. It's a it's a lot of fun, which. I was thinking about what you, what you were you were mentioning regarding James, and and I can't help but think that schools and education, you know, they have PE classes, mm-hmm. which I think PE classes are very important because they they're working your heart, your exercise you know, by exercising your your organs and your body and you're moving, and that's so crucial. But your mind and your brain is mm-hmm. an organ that hardly gets. The time to uh, to act to exercise it, and there's not a lot, from my knowledge, uh, that's being taught in schools today regarding mindfulness or gratitude or or you know taking a breath or when you're stressed out, how do you act? Um, I had Nelson Dellis on my podcast a few weeks ago. He was he's a four time USA Memory Expert. Wow! And just think about this, the education that a, a child can get earlier on to better deal with emotions that hit him or, or her yeah. later in life. And then when you look at memory techniques, now you're now all of a sudden you have a technique that if you meet someone in life, you can remember their name easier. Mm-hmm. So that makes you more likable and social. It gives you more confidence. Yeah. Now you know how to cope by learning mindfulness techniques, and the li- you know the list goes on, and I, I don't know that we're going to solve it today, but I I'd, I'd say we need to advocate for change because of the distractions of social media, the distractions yeah. of notifications, and to your point earlier, I I even need to do a better job of this where I wake up, and my phone's by my bedside, and instead of waking up and putting my hand on my heart and feeling gracious, what do I do? I automatically pick up my phone and it's this habit and I start looking at Slack. I start looking at my email. I start looking at social media for notifications. <laughs> and, it's, and it's this feeling that all of a sudden I'm playing defense to the world versus playing offense, which is I love what you do mm. in the sense that that's the first thing you do. If you, if you took your phone out and you started reading things, there's no way you would do that no. immediately. There's no way, because you would go on these I am, paths.
0: As you say that, so there's a reason why, it's, and especially as you say that, so that's something I used to do all the time. And I'm a nerd, as anybody who knows me, as like, I'm such a nerd. I love reading research papers. I love trying to understand where a scientist is getting something, where this came from. And I am prone to anxiety. I, this is something I know. I have to watch foods. I have to watch lifestyle. I have to exercise. And I started deep, deep diving when I was studying in UCLA, about our phones and I was doing these big full 360 events in Ireland and one of them was like unplugging and I'm also always trying to find you know how can I find a way for my clients to get maximum effect in the early days by changing like a huge practice and I started reading studies on having your phone in your bedroom near your your body and looking at it first thing in the morning and I was like oh my god that's me. And as I was reading this study, it's like a huge blind spot for me, for someone who was studying it. you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, no, there's another blind spot. But it also made me understand where my anxiety was coming from. So when we look at our phone first thing in the morning, it sets off our central nervous system to be reactive, reactive for the whole day. So that means you're now reactive to conversations, to emails, and you're in the fight or flight mode for the whole day. And I was like, this makes sense so much sense to me so you're kind of starting i was starting my day off in the back foot now i remember and i have often said this to my talks and i remember putting my phone in the hall joe to charge uh, the first night i did it and it was actually like i was leaving a part of my body there yeah. and i was almost close to going now good night I'll be back in the morning. You'll be okay out here. Don't worry. That's how attached we are. And I was kind of like going, okay, you're being a little bit OTT, Ali. Like, you know, I was kind of leaving the phone there, making sure where it was plugged in, that it was all okay. Like I knew what was going on. And I was like, this is an unhealthy connection. And the first few weeks of not having the phone in my bedroom. And of course, that little person inside starts going, oh, but it's your alarm clock and what if there's an emergency and this happens and this happens. I could could have come up with 500 excuses for you of why I need to have my phone by my bed. (laughs) And then I was like, right, I got an old school alarm clock and put it beside my bed and bit by bit by bit by bit started to notice the difference in my body. But the difference it made for me in at least starting my day that way, the right way was huge. But it's also interesting how quick we go back, because when we moved to I hadn't done it for a couple of years. And when we moved to California, we didn't have, you know, furniture for the first six weeks, all of those things when you're moving. And I plugged my phone in beside my bed. What did I start doing again? First thing in the morning, pick up my phone and start looking at it. And then a few days later, I couldn't understand why I felt a little kind of stressed and erratic and not quite on top of everything and I was like oh my god I'm looking at my phone first thing in the morning so it's interesting and sometimes it's only when we go back and we try these things again sometimes unconsciously we realize the massive difference it makes so I say to people who are suffering from especially anxiety or stress one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is get the phone out of the bedroom and for a physiological reason that the EMF raise electromagnetic frequencies if you have wi-fi in your house are still running through your body all the way through the night. And they cause your body to be in fight or flight and in stress as well. So it's giving yourself a break, unplugging the Wi-Fi, giving yourself a break from all of that so that you can have the deepest sleep because sleep is when the magic happens, you know, it's when we're repairing and doing all those wonderful things.
1: And we also don't know the long-term effects of, especially our kids, right? We, we lived at a time where we didn't have cell phones, but our, our kids, they've been around them you know, ever since they were born, Uh, one of the, one of the the things that you mentioned earlier is being consistent and developing a mindfulness practice. The, the thing that helps me, I just want to give a power tip because I know everyone Mm -hmm. starts routines in a different way. And, and I too was, was, I created this plan where I was like, I'm going to meditate at least five minutes for 75 days and see how I feel. And I felt like you did, where it, it became a chore. Hmm. And I almost think starting at five minutes is too much. Yeah. So there's a yeah. book called Tiny Habits by B.J. By Fogg. And one of the things that I, that I really like about that book and what he, uh, he shows in their works is developing even smaller habits. So an yeah. example would be if you want to floss your teeth, you have to associate something at that time with flossing and that would be in that case brushing your teeth. So you have the floss next to your toothbrush, and your goal is I'm gonna I'm gonna floss just one of one of my teeth. Not I'm not gonna floss all my teeth, just one. Which sounds kind of crazy. And then you do that every day, and then all of a sudden you could add a little bit more to it. And I think it's really important for people to pick up what you're saying and understand how to develop mm-hmm. exercises for your mind. And it yes. sounds overwhelming and it sounds crazy. And five minutes is going to feel like two hours to, to you. Do it for 30 seconds. Have gratitude. Put your hand over, over your heart, even if it's for a minute. Like whatever it is that you can do, start really small and then grow. Because I think that's, that's important and that's something I learned that really helps.
0: And that's how I changed my life. That's how I changed my life, because I was the queen of trying to change everything in one day. You know, you wake up with a hangover and you feel like shit and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to give up drink. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to eat healthy. And all of a sudden, you've put all of this pressure on yourself, which is ridiculous. And I've changed my life by introducing changes slowly, which have become a part of me and a part of my day and a part of my life. But it's happened over a decade. It hasn't happened like. In a couple of months, and I'm still adding things in and I'm still switching things up because we're never not growing. We're never not evolving. We're never not up leveling for ourselves. Like we're always going to the next level. So I always say to people, be here now, do what you can from where you are with what you have, but do it slowly and smartly. And whenever you release, you've got to repattern. That's really important for people. As people are letting go of old behavior patterns, nature abhors a vacuum. So you've got to recycle like when you take the weeds out of your garden. It's when you release, you have to repattern, release, repattern. So there's if that's the only thing people did, release, repattern, because I remember... God, it's it's a, such a long time since I smoked. And the only reason the smoking came up again was because I went to the dentist and he said, God, you must have never smoked. And I said, well, I was a model. <laughs> yes, I did. Because back in my day, that's cool. all there was to do yeah. backstage. Do you know what I mean? And there was nothing else to do. And it was it was cool. I was 15, 16 and I was really cool. But it was interesting for when I came out of his, there was a moment for me in that dental appointment that was a proud moment of me. And it's important that we honor these moments within ourselves, which is something I've never been very good at doing. I have managed to reverse the damage that I did with my teeth. And so a lot of people are in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. I work with people even older than that now. And they're like at my age. And I'm like, Oh, if you have a breath in your body, it's never too late to make changes. Like never too late. You know, if
1: you, if you start something too, and you, one is I, I almost wouldn't even say do do something every day because then what happens is if you miss a day, mm. then you feel like you feel even worse because you're like yeah. oh I failed again. Yeah, I see this all all the time with people that start ex- you know to try and exercise. So it's like hey this week I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise three times this week, and then that way if you miss a day you're not feeling guilty and you're yes. not talking down about yourself that you failed and it's the same thing with this with the mindfulness exercise because once you do lose that momentum mm-hmm. like we talked about it's you're st- you feel like you're starting the engine from the coldest depths of, of the winter again yeah. and it's yes. hard and you don't want to yeah. do it so don't put yourself in that position because it's all self-fulfilling
0: And the thing about it is that when I explain change to people, it's like there's two parallel lines running. Okay, so you've got small habit changes that are are for the good. So I'm meditating a little bit. I'm eating well. And people always come to me and go, I listen, Alison, I've been doing this for two to three months. I don't really feel that different. And what I always say is this is how it works. And the other parallel line here is, oh, I'm just going to sneak a, you know, McDonald's in once a week, I'm not going to know as much difference. But if you did that twice a week and then started doing it three times a week, or if I say didn't meditate today, I would probably still feel the same. If I didn't me- meditate tomorrow, I would probably feel the same and this and so on and so forth. And these are running side by side and people don't stick to it because they're like, I'm not really seeing a difference. But what happens is over time, it shoots off. And because you've been sticking with these habits, this shoots off to health and happiness, and this shoots off to a path of disease. And it's like a bamboo. A bamboo in the first year doesn't grow. A bamboo in the second year doesn't really grow. In the third year, it doesn't really grow. And you're like, oh, listen, this is ridiculous. But in the fourth year, it shoots up about
1: 60 feet. That's a great analogy there. And
0: you've been putting the work in, and now you're being rewarded. So it is like what this teacher I have tonight says, you do take quantum leaps. And just because you can't see it in the moment, do you know what? So many of us don't have faith. I want it now. I want to see it now. I want it to be instantaneous. And it's like, we got to have faith. We got to trust the universe. We got to just show up with a full heart. You know, and my question every morning is, how can I serve? Show me the way. How can I serve? And then I allow for spirit to work with me.
1: And if you look at... What I would define, and success is a word I don't love, but if you look at successful people or people mm-hmm. that you admire that have accomplished things, on the surface, you see the outcome. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that there wasn't struggle there. I don't care if you're a professional athlete, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're um, a business person, you're in politics, whatever it is, things happen really slow. And then they happen really fast
0: yes and then that's the breakthrough and you gotta trust it's coming it's good com- but also gosh enjoy now enjoy the journey i said this to my brother the other day i said <clears throat> you know we're we're kind of looking at we just did a three-day training course with mary and we're kind of like oh my god we're kind of looking at where we want to be and i was like we got to be really mindful this is a really exciting time for us a really exciting time And we want to look back and not remember this time as a time where we were looking just only to the future. But remember this time where we were building something together and how much fun we had while building it. And this is all about truly being in the present moment. And, you know, Rich, somebody I know, Rich Boggs, Mary's son says, you know, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not here. And it's called the present moment. It's a present like P.R.E. And it's actually even though I've spent years studying mindfulness when he said that last week, I was like, I never really thought about it like that. So it's essentially a gift. This present moment is a gift, you know, and it's this is where your future is happening. This is where your life is happening. It's not happening next week. And I have to remind myself of that every day when I get into the oh, my God, we have to do this. And I get into my to-do list and it's overwhelming. And it's like, you know, be here now be here now, be here now. It's the greatest gift you can give yourself and take a deep breath.
1: Yeah, that's right on. And I I can say that as an entrepreneur, it's really important to enjoy the present moment because yeah. the dots don't fully connect forward, but they always mm-hmm. connect backwards. And you'll realize that sometime in your life. And the issue is if you just keep marching forward and you're not enjoying the process you're gonna miss and realize that the most enjoyment was the process yeah because when you're on top of the mountain and you're looking around you there's only one way down then you go yeah. down and then your option is either to stay down there and hang out or to go climb another mountain but it's the process and the journey that is fulfilling and I'm so glad to hear you say that mm-hmm. you're you're cognizant of that because there are times when you're going to pull your hair out. Yeah. There are times when you're going to be so stressed out that you're not going to be able to eat. Those will happen. And I'm not going to everything that you're hearing right now, you're going to be like, whatever you're going to push that aside and I get it. But I'm going to tell you that the dots will connect later mm-hmm. and you're going to look back and you're going to realize it was those moments that yeah. you pushed through that made you who you are.
0: A hundred percent. And I can see that with myself. Had I not been through everything I've been through, I'm so grateful for my entire journey. Like everything that's happened, good, bad and ugly. I'm so grateful because I couldn't teach. I couldn't work with people. I can only teach from what I know and what I've learned, you know, and having that life experience for me and really experiencing that kind of side of darkness for me has has enabled me to truly cherish and treasure what a beautiful gift it is to be healthy and present. And, you know, I'm deeply grateful for that every day. Like there's not, in fact, the gratitude increases as my life moves forward. And I always say to myself, like last week was a bit of a struggle for me just from a motivational perspective. And when I say to myself in those moments of, Just put one step in front of the other and just keep moving forward. And even if they're just small steps, like if you took small steps to climb a mountain, you're going to get to the top. It might take a bit longer, but keep moving forward. All is well. All is well.
1: One thing I have to ask you, you have this glow about you and the people that are maybe listening to this podcast and not watching it. I encourage you to watch it, but ever. Since the first day I've, I've met you, we've, we've met a number of times. Yeah. You've always had a glow and you've always had this infectious smile. When something is bothering you or you're waking up and you feel like you shouldn't be smiling or you're not, is there something you say to yourself to get you to that place? Because what I found is that when you're smiling, when you're genuinely smiling yeah. and you could let it go, that's when the magic happens, but yes. you seem to have that a lot more than others. So, how do you get more of that?
0: I pray, and one of my favorite things to, that I say to myself is "Let go and let God." And God means many things to many people. For me, God is love. God is the Creator. God is Source. And when I was when I was struggling to get sober, you know, like struggling, I was battling with it for all those years in New York. I remember one day I sat down and I turned around and I just sat and I was on my knees. And I said that day, please show me the way. If you help me to get sober, I will serve every single day that I have left on this earth. And I get emotional saying it because I really meant it, Joe. I was like, every day that I wake up on this planet, if you help me get sober for my baby and for me to be a great mom, I will serve. And that sense of, I struggled with something bigger than me, with the spiritual side of things for so long. Do you know what I mean? When my dad died, I was angry with God. I was like, if there is a God, he wouldn't take my dad when I'm 21 and I need him. And I battled with all of that for so many years. And then one day I just surrendered. I took a deep breath. I mean, I had had nowhere else to go. I was on my knees, literally on my knees. I had nowhere else to go and I just surrendered. And I have great faith now. I have unwavering faith, which is something I didn't have in my, in my young years at all. I really didn't. I have unwavering faith now. And I just self, I used to self-soothe in other ways. And now I self-soothe with like saying things to myself, like all is well. Like that sentence to me, just like when I say all is well. It just helps me to, to move from this place of constriction and tense terror, taking a deep breath and expanding and saying all is well. And the two most important words I use, and it's interesting you say this, look what I was doing before we came on screen because I had an email that was quite stressful. And mm. I was so and I was like, I'm just about to go on to a podcast And I need to shift my energy in the moment. What can I do right now? Well, first of all, let go, let God pray. And then I got my pen out and I wrote, I am love. I am happiness. I am peace. I am integrity. I am courage. I am grateful for this life, for my son and for my health. I am grateful for my business. I am grateful to serve. I am grateful to be me. And I wrote that just before we came online. And that helps to shift me from where I was into this is the truth. So we have facts and we have truth. This is the truth. There is Stuff that happens to us every day, and we 're not going to argue with that they're facts. I lost my job, my marriage broke up they're facts, but this is the truth of who we all are, so it's reminding myself of the truth when i don't feel when i don't feel it i'm reminding yeah. myself of it. that helps me shift
1: so it's it's funny we're talking about this because when when force meets force, an explosion happens typically, mm-hmm. and there's uh, I'm training for jujitsu right now. And one of the things that I learned recently is when someone is choking you or someone's on you, the best thing you could do is completely relax mm. when you are. And if you think about that, think about the the time when you had to move a mattress, compare the mattress to like a board, right? You move a board. It's pretty easy. You move a yeah. mattress. It's like all over the place. It's, yeah. it's gelling. It's really hard to control. And it, and I think about that as a metaphor for life as well, that if you, just let, if you can let things, easier said than done, and that's why I love that, the technique that you just shared, if you can let things roll off you in that way, then force doesn't meet force. Yes. And then there's no explosion. And the one other example, I have to give this because this is one of my favorite stories. I was doing construction on, on my house. And it lasted for about a year. It was, it was a lot of major construction. We, we had to move out and there was trucks constantly in front for this entire year. And at the near at the end of it, I'm pulling up to check on the house. The neighbor walks over and he just walks up and he's super mad and I could just tell like his face is getting red and he's, he starts to confront me. And then he's like, "I am so sick and tired of these trucks." In my, in my yard, like in my front yard, you see that truck's like on my grass and these have been here this whole year and he's screaming at me, right? Like, like I can fully control this. Normally, I would get upset back. And for whatever reason, this moment, I looked at him and I said, you know what? I'm so sick of these trucks too. <laughs> I want this done. <laughs> I don't want this construction. This is horrible. I totally understand. And I empathize with them. You know what he did? (laughs) Nothing. He couldn't do anything. I completely disarmed him. He's like, yeah. And he ended up walking away. And I just started smiling. And I'm like, I don't know what came over me in that moment. But because I wasn't forceful back with him, I had the best outcome. And now I have such a fun story to tell about it. And he walked away, the guy ended up moving, <laughs> my house is finished and life goes on. But it was, it was. That is
0: one of the best just, stories. I will tell that story, Joe, that is uh, brilliant. I absolutely love that. And do you know what, I bet you didn't know what to do. And I i always say, um, which I explained, this is how I explained it to James. I get him to put his hand out. Like if he's struggling with something in school or he's struggling with maths or something, I'm just using today. And I say, put your hand out. And I said, push and I said this is what you're doing now you're pushing with the universe you're pushing and pushing and what's going to happen is you get pushed back and that's why people are always like I can't manifest I can't do this I'm like stop pushing and forcing your way through life you know and then when we literally and I learned this from a wonderful man in Ireland who crossed my path and we had a conversation one conversation And he taught me more, exactly like what you're saying about jujitsu. And he said, Alison, open up your energy. He said, when you're like this and you learn this in martial arts, I've never done them. But this is this is what he teaches. And he said, when you're like this and someone punches you, you can you think you're protecting yourself and they can very easily get in. But when you relax exactly what you're saying and you open up now, someone tries to punch you, you get their hands. Because you're relaxed and open and we're indoctrinated in thinking if we're relaxed and open, we're vulnerable and open for attack. And it's actually the other way around. It's interesting. But when we're open, we're now actually in a more protected state. But also when we're open, we're open to ideas, experiences, people. We're just open to life, actually. We're just more open to life instead of being shut down. It's it's beautiful analogy. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love that story. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, that. That's no, brilliant.
1: I, I love telling it because it was <laughs> it was so unlike me, honestly. And it taught me a very big lesson. And and I try I admit, like when I get an email or someone someone tells me something I don't like, I still react. Like I'm yeah. far from perfect. But there are some times when because of that that happening, um, I can go back and think about that before I react. And the outcome is always better than me replying back quickly or creating another force, which again, creates an explosion. And you're so easy easy to, to talk to. I know we're, we're a, over an hour right now, <laughs> that, and I could just keep going. But, but I want to um, get to two things. You and your brother started a supplement company. Yes. I want to get get to that and then I have some speed questions for you. Sure. And then I think we'll we'll wrap up. Yeah. But talk about the supplement company. Why did you create it and what is it?
0: So, my brother is a molecular biochemist and we have kind of said we're spirituality meets science and actually 2020 was that year where I was being pushed in a different direction. I didn't know why. Now, my brother has had this company for many years, and I've always had a dream because of my own health issues to create products that are natural and that work. So actually, last summer, I was really struggling with the food here really badly, and I started to have really bad digestive issues, like really bad. And I was staying with my brother in the summer, and he said, try the leaky gut. And he makes a leaky gut powder, um, and I've studied nutrition. That's unlike anything I've ever come across before and I woke up and I went, oh, my gosh, within a couple of days, I was like, my stomach was flatter than it was pre-pregnancy. And I'm like, what is in this? But, you know, take the, the, the vanity aesthetics aside, you know, it's all women. I was like, what is in this? This is amazing. Haven't been bloated for weeks. But he has an extraordinary mind, my brother. And um, he has been able to formulate truly understanding the human body and formulate products that are natural, that work. And this is something I've always struggled to find. And we have a product at the moment, Zen Cam, where I take it every single day because it's got like magnesium, B vitamins, ashwagandha, adaptogenic herbs, and it's just supporting our bodies where they need it. So we've come together and we've, we've brought a holistic company where I write daily affirmations. We're writing stuff together and creating, and we've got a couple of amazing new products that... I have the ideas for the products and then he's able to understand the exact amounts people need, the the, the type of like magnesium and the form it's in so that people absorb it. So it was really a meeting of the minds. And we've kind of um, said where spirituality meets science. And it really is because we understand that people are coming you know, to him with gut issues and with stress issues and fatty liver. And what's that caused from? It's caused from lifestyle and stress. So I'm there with the coaching and the meditation and the lifestyle solutions. And so it's really a one stop shop. And we've created a community called Where Hearts Unite. So we were kind of trying to come together and Where Hearts Unite is a community where we really want to approach what we do from a heart-centered space, you know, so heart healing to really be our trademark. We're trying to look at the whole person. If somebody is struggling in their gut, which is kind of like, I think, I personally feel it's the headquarters for our health because what's going on in your gut is going on in your mind. You know, most of you are... And the serotonin and all of those, you know, good feeling hormones and neurotransmitters are all actually produced in your gut. And when people's gut is off balance, they tend to feel out of balance in life. You know, they tend not to feel centered. There's nothing worse than having a sore tummy or feeling bloated after you eat. Or, you know, I know personally, after drinking, I spent a number of years helping to heal my own liver. There's no way you can drink for 20 years like I did and not and not have to do some healing you know so he has natural products so we've and that just help support people in their healing journey and I really wanted to come in and support his clients with daily practices to get them to understand that you've also as well as taking products which are fantastic we've got to also go in and understand why are you stressed what's really going on emotionally and I work intuitively with people where I tend to work very quickly with someone on an emotional basis. And no matter how much I've been trained when I'm sitting in front of someone, I pick up very quickly what's going on. And it's usually always rooted in emotional pain, emotional pain, childhood stuff, lifetime stuff. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time for us. And, you know, the community is growing. I've always wanted to create daily affirmations because I use them all the time. So I send a daily affirmation every day. I said so you can sign up for them, they're free. And yeah, what's the website? It's whereheartsunite.com.
1: Whereheartsunite.com. Yeah. Okay. And I'll link to that in the they're... show notes too.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And you know, you can book in coaching sessions and heart healing sessions with me. And um, yeah, and it's 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 just it's a wild ride, but it was the greatest gift twenty twenty gave us. You know, coming together. And I only found out that uh, Brendan was my brother five years ago. So there's a really beautiful story there, too. So my dad passed away over 20 years ago. And um, I found him five years ago through actually the miracle of my book, Minding Mom, ironically. Really? So, yeah. And he was brought up in the States. He's American. And the first time we met... Uh, His wife said, she's literally the female version of you. Like, this is (laughs) this is like we never stop talking. And it's like at the exact same interest in health, the exact same interest in mental health, the exact same interest in healing. So 2020 gave us a beautiful gift. Had 2020 not happened, maybe we wouldn't be where where we are. But I'm a great believer in looking for the gift, no matter what it looks like in the outside, because there is always a gift. There's always a present in no matter what happens in our life.
1: We could have a whole podcast on that and <laughs> how you found your brother. That's that's amazing. All right. So I have a few speed questions for You, you sure. ready? Yep. Book that you want to reread.
0: Oh, think and grow rich. All the time.
1: What's the every time I go one?
0: back. And um, book that I want to reread, the second one. Gosh, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying is a book I pick out all the time you know when you just have that download like, yeah. oh come on allison the tibetan book of living and dying is not a book you pick it's not easy reading you know it's not like you're going to sit there yeah. and read through it but what i love doing with books i love this it's i don't know why this gives me such excitement i just love books joe but i love picking something off the shelf and flicking through it and closing my eyes and just stopping on whatever page is there and opening it and i take that as a message of the day So I have loads of books on my shelves, really inspirational books. And I just love it. So if I'm struggling or I'm sitting at the computer, I go over to my bookshelf and I go, I'm going to pick out. And that book, the Tibetan book of living and dying is stuff that really requires thought and digesting for me anyway, you know, and it really requires me to expand. So yeah, that would be one that's always on my bookshelf.
1: Okay, question two, Alison, what is something I don't know about you?
0: Um, something you don't know about me. I love singing. I love singing and dancing. I love it. Since I, I was a have kid. To do
1: karaoke next time yes, I see you in person.
0: Some Irish dancing.
1: <laughs> your, your favorite unimportant thing to do.
0: Unimportant thing to do. I'm like, hmm, my favorite unimportant thing to do. God, what's unimportant? <laughs> Uh, God, these questions are hard for me, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm stumped by these questions. I'm like, unimportant? Is everything not important? Because I'm the first thing that came to me was sitting in nature, but I'm like, that's really important. That's not unimportant. Um, My favorite unimportant thing to do, I probably did last night, which I rarely do, which is seek out something to watch on Netflix, which is something I very rarely do James was like what are you doing mom sometimes I have this every few months I have this I just want to immerse myself in the show and I immersed myself in um something called river something it started oh my god it's amazing that's it I'm gone now for the next few days
1: oh nice nice what is it river what
0: uh river something I only watched the first bit of it last night it's about a girl who moves from the big city in California to is uh, something river something river okay. something river
1: Mm. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I probably spend more time looking for things on Netflix than watching something <laughs> on Netflix. It's a business in itself.
0: Well, there's very little there. And I don't really watch any TV anymore. We don't have TV. Yeah. We just have Netflix. So I had kind of gotten to a stage where I'd gone for a walk. I'd gone kickboxing. I'd done everything. And I was just kind of struggling yesterday. And part of me was like, just sit down and watch something right. and just do nothing. You know, just sit and watch and be and let it go, Allison. Um, and then I found that a oh, Virgin River.
1: There we oh, go. Oh, got it. Yeah, I've seen previews for that.
0: Yeah, it's really good. But well, it looks like it's going to be really good. So, yeah,
1: I'm my, excited. My wife loves to watch just reality TV, and after a while, I I was like, "What are you What are you doing? Why do you like <laughs> this?" She's like, "It's just I don't want to think right now." Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's escape is actually there's some truth to that. Now I'm yeah, and. Through osmosis, I know what's going on in Real Housewives of Orange County and, uh, I love and it. Summer House and all these Bravo shows. It's hilarious.
0: Oh, do you know what I've actually started to do lately is uh myself and James have gotten really into shows where they do houses up and they do holiday homes up. And I don't know why the two of us love it so much, but like erratically over the last while we're both kind of going, "Will we go home and watch one of those shows When we watch people completely transform something. And I don't know, maybe it's the transforming process that we're loving, but he's loving it. He's 10. So I'm like, maybe he'll be an interior designer.
1: (laughs) Okay, this one, this last question should be easy. How can people get a hold of you or find out more information (laughs) about Alison?
0: WhereheartsUnite.com has everything it links back to my website to our products to sign up for the daily affirmations and our newsletter and uh yeah so please come join us there and sign up to be inspired every day and i offer so many different types of coaching sessions so if anyone's interested in working with me as well and they can book a session through that
1: and what, what are your social media handles for those listening?
0: Um, we're hearts Unite to on Instagram now, um, golden alchemy alley on Instagram. So it's not that easy, but you find me under my name and then liver medic. Yeah. yeah. Liver medic, L I V E R M E D I C is the, is the product range. So liver medic, but you can find everything under where hearts unite.
1: Well, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. I feel like we could, uh, we could keep going and it'd be seven hours from now and we're still, we still have things to talk about, but it's great to see you. It's great to see your smile.
0: Oh, you thank too. You and thank, thank you so today. much. And thank you for that wonderful story. It just really brightened my day. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. It's always such a pleasure, Joe. And thank you for having me.
1: All right. Take care, Allison.
0: Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Anonymous Third Podcast. Alison Canavan, you are an amazing human being. You rock. Thank you so much for being on and for all the wisdom that you dropped on today's show. Anyone, if you made it this far, if you leave a comment, tag me on, a, on social regarding something you learned from this episode. I will send you a free t-shirt, no strings attached. Just DM me your information and you will get one in the mail. As always, appreciate your comments. Follow, like, subscribe. Share this episode it means a ton to me. Until next week, remember, I, you, we are not almost there. Have a great week, everyone.